Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... Who did he buy you from? You were a slave to sin. You were a slave to Satan, didn't even know it. And by the blood of Jesus, you've been redeemed. God bought you out. And now you belong to him. Now you're a child of God. Now you're covered by him. Now Satan does not have free access. Now you're, you got a great inheritance to look forward to and your sins are forgiven. We've been redeemed through the blood of his son and we've received the forgiveness of sins. This is the most important thing because everybody here is flawed. Everybody here has sin. Man's greatest issue is the fact that we sin against God. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Today, you learn through Pastor Bill's message that humankind's biggest issue is the issue of sin. No amount of good work or valiant effort will earn you the right standing before God. Jesus says in the Bible that He is the way, the truth, and the life and that no one comes to the Father in heaven except through Him. So Pastor Bill encourages you to get right with God today. There's such a glorious inheritance for those who are called children of God. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians chapter 1 as he continues his message, Intro. Y'all know everybody don't rest in peace. It's the only people that are in peace are believers that have died in Christ. And so we want to be sure everybody here that's listening, everybody online, listen, you can be saved. If you're not saved, but you're living today, you can be saved. And I would, I would plead with you that you would receive, that you would come to Christ and that you receive his forgiveness for your sins and be saved. And then we like the church in Colossae would have the same hope, the hope of heaven that we receive with the truth of the gospel. Verse six now, It says, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth. And so I love this here. Paul is saying, look to the Colossians. You guys heard the gospel, the same gospel that you heard has been preached all over the world. And as you guys heard it and received it um, as truth. It brought a change. It's bearing fruit in their life and their relationship with the Lord. And Paul is giving thanks to God for that. Let me encourage you as you see God doing a work in someone's life, as you watch a person give their life to Christ or start walking, we should give thanks to God. We should thank God when we see fruit in someone's life. Lord, I thank you for that brother. I thank you for that sister. I thank you for what you're doing in their life. Thank you that the word is bearing fruit in their life, Lord. I can see that they're being transformed. They're not the same. They're moving forward. Pray for those kind of people. Pray for the people that you see and they're they're making, they're moving forward. They're going forth in the Lord because you know who's going to be coming after them to try to hinder them? The enemy. Right? They're going to be all kind of roadblocks they're going to throw. He's going to throw some old friends and some old people. Pray for those that you see. Man, the gospel is having an effect. Their lives are being changed because you can be certain that at every juncture, the enemy is going to be there hurling darts and throwing roadblocks and trying to be a hindrance. And we want to stand with and pray for those that we see moving forward. Moving on now, verse seven, it says, as you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us, your love in the spirit. And so Paul names the guy that was ministering to them, this man, Epaphras. Uh, he says he's a fellow servant, a faithful minister in Christ on your behalf, 
who also declared to us your love in the spirit. And so let me say this about a faithful minister. I know I'm blessed to be able to be in the ministry. There's some other men that are here today that are in the ministry and they serve the Lord in different ways. What is it when Paul says, man, this guy is a faithful minister of Christ. This is what it meant. That guy faithfully preached the gospel no matter what. He faithfully preached the gospel in different climates, when it was popular, when it was not popular, uh, when it was being received, when it was being rejected. A faithful minister will just continue to do what God has given him to do. So that'll help you to determine what's an unfaithful minister of the gospel. The person that says, I'm not going to preach that because people don't like it. (laughs) You know, that's not a faithful minister of the gospel. Someone that'll change the gospel to make it more palatable for people is not a faithful minister of the gospel. Someone that'll take sections of it out, right? They're guys that just won't say hell. They're like, people don't want to hear about hell. It's so it's so legalistic and harsh. Y'all know is hell a reality? Do y'all understand? Y'all know why I got saved? I got saved because of the understanding that I was going to die and go to hell. That's how I got saved. Right. Heaven didn't. I don't know why heaven didn't do it. Right. Some of you can go to heaven. Uh, uh, I, I don't know why that didn't click. But when I understood you're going to die and go to hell, I was like, yo. You can't, I can't, I can't manipulate my way out of hell. You can't shoot hell. You know, you can't trick you. You just going to burn. And I was like, God, I, I want me, I'm going to get saved now. You know, that was for me that my, when God illuminated that truth, that was, that brought me to the place of saying, I'm, I'm going to yield. I don't want that. I don't want to die. I don't want to be separated from God for eternity. I'm grateful for the person that was bold enough to tell me the truth. And somebody else handed me a track. It was a, uh, I, I got a pack of them at home. It's, it's a track that says, what to do to go to hell on the front. Not your typical track that people hand out. You know, most people give a track to say steps to peace with God or, you know, something like that or whatever. But this track said what to do to go to hell. And when you opened it up, it said in bold print, nothing. And then it read this verse from John's gospel. It had John chapter three, verse 18. It said this, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And I can tell you when I read that in concert with the guy that had been witnessing to me, I felt like God had personally visited me and said, I'm trying to rescue you from hell. And I was like, okay, I want to be saved. So, so I get real offended at a minister that will take that part of the gospel out. Cause that's what some people need to hear. Somebody might be drawn to the love of God, the mercy of God, the goodness of God, but we're all different, right? I needed to know that, you know, for me, punishment, I understand punishment. If you die like you are, it's going to be bad forever. Word? All right. That was the understanding that I needed to know. That's part of the gospel. We got to give the whole thing out. So uh, this guy, Epaphras, Paul says, is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. He also had declared to Paul about this group and their love in the spirit. Now, in verse nine, Paul begins to lay out. Uh, he starts off the phrase with for this reason. Um, he's going to tell them why he's writing and why he's what he's wanting to see God do in them. Verse nine, he says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask. Now, second time, Paul says, we just don't stop praying. And can I just encourage you guys that maybe there are people you're praying for and then you stop praying. Don't stop praying. Right. Continue to pray. Be faithful in prayer. Be faithful to bring them before the Lord. I was thinking of this, right? In in the book of Acts, there was a lot of persecution happening to the church. It was politically popular 
to persecute Christians. And so they took John, not the apostle John, but they took the other John and they took James and they killed a believer because it was a popular thing to do for the people there. But then they took Peter and Peter got in prison. And when Peter got in prison, the church prayed and God delivered Peter. And so I've always looked at that scenario and I'm not saying that they didn't pray when the other brother was taken, but it doesn't say that they prayed. They just said when Peter was taken, that the church was given, they had a prayer meeting going on at one of the sisters house nonstop. And they were just praying and praying and praying. And then God delivered Peter supernaturally from the prison. And so there's something to say for believers coming together to pray, praying for one another, praying for the work that God is doing. Even and it takes faith to pray. You don't see anything happen usually right away when you pray. And I think that's why some people maybe aren't consistent in prayer. You don't see right away, but be consistent in prayer. Pray for your brothers and sisters that are doing the work that God has given for them to do. They need to be covered and lifted up. And so Paul says, look, we don't cease to pray for you in the acts that you may be filled with all the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So this is what Paul is praying for them first, that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I believe that's a great prayer to pray for every believer, right? I can pray that for every Christian I know. God, I pray you would fill them with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. God, fill them with a knowledge of your will, what you want to accomplish, what what you want them to be doing. Why is this important? Because if you don't know the will of God, you're going to waste your life. If you don't know that God has called you to do this, and you could be wasting your time doing that. And so that's this is a good prayer to pray. God, I pray that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that, that, that we wouldn't waste our lives, that we wouldn't waste our potential, that we wouldn't be sitting on spiritual gifts where God is like, man, I, there's something, there's so much greater that I'd like to be doing in your life, but you've chosen that instead. He's praying that God would fill him with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Then in verse 11, he says why he's praying that. Why why do I want you to be filled with all wisdom and, and spiritual understanding? Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Four reasons why we need to be walking in the will of God. One, that we be walking worthy of the Lord, right? Why is walking in the will of God make me worthy in the Lord? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 that I've been bought at a price, right? My life was purchased by the blood of Jesus. So God says, I, I own you. I purchased you with my own blood. Therefore, you should be doing what I want you to do with your life. Your life belongs to me. And so to walk worthy, the first thing he says is that you may walk worthy of the Lord. That's, that's, that should be the desire of every believer. The second thing is this, fully pleasing him. And it's possible, you guys, that we can walk and live in such a way that is fully pleasing the Lord. That God would look and say, that's exactly what I created you to do. Some of us think that we cannot please the Lord fully. We think, oh, no, I'm just too imperfect. I mess up all the time, blah, blah, blah. But God says, look, you could actually walk fully pleasing to me. Know my will and do it. That, that'll please me. God is easy, y'all. God's not, God's not hard to please. God's like, just seek me. I'll let you know what I want you to do and do what I want you to do. It pleases me. I think God gives the best deal ever that he's going to save us by grace, give us spiritual gifts, tell us what to do with them, empower us when we choose to use them rightly, and then he rewards us for doing it. That's just like a win, win, win for the believer. So 
praying that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Number three, that you being fruitful in every good work, that you be fruitful, that your life wouldn't be barren. You wouldn't be wasting your life, but you'd be fruitful in every good work. Here's the thing. When I'm walking in the will of God, I'm pleasing the Lord. My life's going to bear fruit. I'm going to be right down the pipe where God wants me. My life will be bearing fruit. And then it says, lastly, increasing in the knowledge of God, that I'll be increasing. I'll, I'll be growing in my knowledge of him. Um, as I obey him, as I know his will, as I serve him, as I walk with him, uh, God says, you're going to know me. I want you to know this for those that those that are serving the Lord. It is oftentimes in serving the Lord that God is revealing more of who he is to us, making himself known, making his power available. God is showing us what we're not and what he is as we get busy serving. It continues in verse 11. It says, strengthen with all might. Which is going to be important, right? Because if I know the will of God, I'm walking worthy of his calling. I'm fully pleasing him. I'm being fruitful in the work. I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. I'm going to need strength. And here's what God said. He says, I'm praying for you guys that you would be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Here's the cool thing also about serving God. That God doesn't expect you to do it in your own strength. He knows that we're not able. And so God says, I'll give you the strength to do it. Paul is praying for these believers that they would be strengthened with all, all might, they will be strengthened with God's might, God's power to be able to continue to do the work that God has called them to do, the thing that God has given them to do that's pleasing to him. So they be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. And so these are the things that Paul wants. I think that we can pray this for ourselves. We can pray this for other believers. This is a, it's a good desire that we would know his will that we walk worthy of his calling, that we be fruitful in every good work, that we increase in our knowledge of God, that we be strengthened to do his work. And after all that, all patience and long suffering with joy. I I don't want to skimp over that because there are some believers that know the will of God. They're seeking to live pleasing to the Lord. God's given them strength and power to do something right now, but God's not doing everything that they want yet. Right. How many of you guys have made, how many guys have had to wait on God for something, something that God, something a lot. Oftentimes the things that God makes us wait, they're good things. It's like, God, why do I have to wait? I want, it's a good thing I want. Right. I wanted to plant a church. Ask me how many years it took for the time God told me I was going to do this to when we did it. God showed me this in 1997. We did this in 2010. Count that up. That was a long wait. I kept praying. I was, I was trying to step out early and God was like, not yet. Right. Not, not yet. And it was like, well, God, why would you show me that? If it wasn't, why would this show me the day before you're ready to do it next time? But that's not how God works. You can't tell God how to do things. He's like, I, I got something for you. This is exactly what it is. I'm going to keep it on your heart. Every time you pray, it's going to show up, but I'm not going to do it till, till then. God, I'm working on you, buddy. And so maybe some of you are waiting on the Lord and you're maybe impatient. You're like, God, that's a good thing I want. It's in the Bible of what I want. I, I promise you this, promise you this. If you wait on God to do it, he will not disappoint. And I'm going to give you this. If you go in front of the Lord without him to do it, you will be disappointed because you will be on your own. This is in ministry. This is in relationships. This is in, you know, serve. If you, if you go out in front of God and God will let you do it, he'll say, go ahead, go ahead. Let me see how far you get. Boop. You bumped your head. Now when you you eventually will be back starting over again. So you might as well wait. So that's why he prays here for all patience 
and long suffering. That word long suffering is a, is an, it's an interesting word. It's a compound word. It's, it's suffering a long time, right? Sometimes when, you, when you're waiting, it feels like you're suffering for a long time. God is long suffering with you, waiting on you to get your act together. He says, hey, I'm praying that you would have long suffering patience. Hey, get this, with joy. That's a, that's a good prayer. If you know somebody waiting on God for something, pray that for them. God, I'm praying that you would give them patience and long suffering with joy. Because some people have patience and long suffering, but it's not with joy. It's with much complaining. <laughs> it's unfair. It's, it sounds like, you know, God is just keeping something from them. And God's like, look, patience and long suffering with joy. Lastly, last, uh, uh, last few verses, verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And again, over and over again, Paul in his prayer is giving thanks, giving thanks that they were saved, giving thanks for how they're living. Now he says, I'm giving thanks to God, to the father, because of what he's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Remember that you guys, God has qualified every believer to be a, 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 that we're going to partake of God's inheritance, right? Imagine you had a rich uncle and he was a billionaire, but only a few people were going to be qualified to partake of the inheritance. And, and, and you got to be one of those few. I'm, I'm, you're going to get to be a partaker of, of all that's going to be made available. You would be grateful, right? Well, God's riches far outweigh billions of dollars on earth. And God says, through Christ, I've made you, I've qualified you to be a partaker of my inheritance. Here's the cool thing about God's inheritance. It's eternal. If you had a rich uncle and a billion dollars was left to you, right? How many years do you have to live before you die? You don't know. The older you are, the less time you're going to have with your billions of dollars. But eventually you're going to die and that's it. Do you get to take a billion dollars with you? When rich folk die, do they get a cushier place in eternity? No, everything you have on earth gets left. Here's the cool thing with believers and why you don't want to skimp on serving the Lord, right? The inheritance for us is forever. You get to send up things ahead. If you serve God in this life, you might be poor on earth, but rich in heaven. Here's the thing. You're going to be in heaven a lot longer than you were on earth. And so it, it's just it's just good mathematics. It's just good stewardship to say, I'm going to make sure I'm spending a good majority of my life doing that which matters for eternity, because that's where I'm going to be forever. It's it's a real ripoff for the person that says, I know I'm going to heaven forever, but forever going to heaven forever. But I'm going to live on earth. I'm, I'm going to give everything I got to the earth while I'm here. I'm going to live for earth. I'm going to acquire things on the earth. I'm going to all my energy efforts into stuff I can have on earth. And then you die and go to heaven and you got to live in that cardboard box. And no, it's, it's not a cardboard box in there, but you, you just didn't send nothing up ahead. It won't be there. Right. I think some people think God is going to say to every Christian that dies, well done, good and faithful servant. But y'all know God is not a liar. Right. So that he can't say that because some some people are not. Some people didn't, some of y'all, God's going to say, by the skin of your teeth, huh? You know, somebody's going to be, just, just barely, huh? You know, everybody's not going to hear well done, good and faithful, because everybody didn't do well, wasn't good and faithful. So, but you want to live in such a way that we send it up ahead. And so, moving on now, he says in verse 13, he has delivered us, and I love these last, these are our last two verses, 13 and 14. It says that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son 
of his love. That word conveyed means to rescue or to deliver. So God said, look, he's delivered us from the power of darkness. That's what God has done for every believer. You are under the, the thumb of Satan until God redeemed you by the blood of Jesus. You've been purchased out of bondage to Satan. Now you belong to the Lord. Satan does not have access to you like he did when you didn't belong to the Lord. So God says you've been delivered from the power of darkness. You've been, you've been conveyed. That means to rescue or to deliver someone. You've been rescued into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I just think those two verses are just so amazing what God has done for us. I've delivered you from the power of darkness. I have conveyed you. I've, 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 I've pushed you in. I've rescued you into the kingdom of of the son of his love, right? We're with Jesus. Do y'all know that God, the father loves God, the son. And God says, look, I, I put you with him. As you put your faith in Christ as God forgives, you get your sins forgiven and you receive Jesus. God says, look, I'm putting you with my son. You become a child of God. You're with him. You're, you're part of the family. Now I've received you in, you're in the kingdom of the son of his love. That's where that's our new situation. So know that even though you live on this earth and everybody's going crazy now, we're going to vote for this and vote for that. Nah, this ain't where you this is this you passing through this place. We part of another kingdom. Amen. With a way better king, whoever's in charge down here is going to be a joke. I don't care who wins, who loses. It's just going to be a man. And a man is flawed. And there's never been a great man. We have never had godly government ever since they put God off the throne in Samuel. And said, we want a man to rule over us. And they, they said, we don't want God. We want a man from that time till now. As long as there have been men ruling over men, it's been flawed. It'll be flawed until God himself is ruling and reigning over the hearts of people. But here's what happens in the kingdom of God. He becomes our king. We become subjects of his kingdom. And we're part of the kingdom of God on earth. But God's kingdom never ends. His reign is never going to end. He's never going to lose. He's never going to have, he ain't going to have eight years and then have to battle with somebody else to see if he can keep it for another eight years. It's forever. I'm, we are part of the eternal, everlasting kingdom of almighty God. Our king will not be the throne. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Anybody want it can get it. He wins every battle. We read the end of the book and he wins and we win with him because we are victors with him through Jesus Christ. Amen. So when he says, I've conveyed you into the kingdom of the son of his love, know that that's, that's a blessing. I'm with Jesus. I mean, I get to be, I'm going to be before God in light of the son. I'm going to be received and accepted, not on my merit, but on the merit of what Jesus has done for me. Lastly, he says in verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus purchased that idea of redemption is, you know, you've been, you bought something back. And so we, you know, it belongs here. It's been purchased back. So we've been redeemed by the blood of his son. Who did he buy you from? You were a slave to sin. You were a slave to Satan. Didn't even know it. And by the blood of Jesus, you've been redeemed. God bought you out and now you belong to him. Now you're a child of God. Now you're covered by him. Now Satan does not have free access. Now you're, you got a great inheritance to look forward to and your sins are forgiven. We've been redeemed through the blood of his son and we've received the forgiveness of sins. This is the most important thing because everybody here is flawed. Everybody here has sin. Man's greatest issue is the fact that we sin against God. Everybody's so worried about what other people are doing, but everybody needs to be concerned about this. You sin against God. 
and you need your sins forgiven. And that's available to us through Jesus Christ. If you're a believer, I hope that you're full of gratitude, gratefulness and thankfulness for all that God has made available to you in Jesus. And if you're not a believer, I hope that you are thirsty for desirous of the relationship that we just spoke about, because it's available to you, too. God loves you, too. Jesus died for you, too. And if you would open up your heart to him and by faith receive what he did for you, he would receive you today as his son. And all the things that we just read that are true for the believer will be true for you today. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. Do you wish sometimes that it wasn't so hard to do what needed to be done, especially with a good attitude? I sure do. The Apostle Paul was a great example of this. As we see in this verse he included in his letter to the church in Colossae, listen to Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So often we forget it's Jesus who has given us a redeemed life, a life that's been forgiven of our sins. If we believe this to be true, then everything we do should be like sending a thank you card to Jesus. We may not always do a great job, but it's a good reminder. Friends, what we say and what we do matters. Not only that, but how it's done is important. Do you like the message that you just heard? Great. We're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at CalvaryInglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If so, locate the Give tab on our site. Don't forget, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. This ministry is a product of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you have extra time and are close, we would be overjoyed for you to attend one of our services, Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or if there's a scheduling conflict, come Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We hope that we've ministered to your heart and you feel a little more loved. We look forward to our next time together on A Transforming Word.